Good evening, it's Tuesday, September 20th, and welcome to the Positional Sports Talk Show post. Live streaming on Facebook Live, Twitch, and our Positional Sports Talk Show YouTube channel. We are a sports talk show made for the fans from the perspective of fans presented by lifelong sports fans. We will provide our opinions and positions on the hottest topics in sports this evening. My name is Big Reg, and I'm joined this evening by my partner in crime, the original OG, my brother J3. What's going on, partner? What's up, Big Reg? What's happening? How you feeling, man? I'm good, bro. We're going back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Flashbacks. Just you and I, we're going to do this thing. Um, so uh, we hope all of our brothers out there are doing well. We also like to send a special shout out and a happy anniversary to Professor yeah. Jay and yeah. his beautiful hey, Janine. wife, Janine. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Hope you're enjoying your evening and having a great meal and taking care of each other. Mm. So this evening, we're going to give you some quick hits. We got to give you a WNBA Finals update. Then we're going to talk football. We're going to give you college football week three and NFL week two. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. So please sit back, relax, enjoy posts on the Positional Sports Talk Show channel. So J3, yes, man, sir. I was real, real, um, wouldn't say happy, but it felt good to see that the Boston Celtics are going to honor the late, great Bill Russell. They're actually going to place his number six in the paint um, on their home court. So, I mean, that's, that's you know, a nice little homage to the great Bill Russell recently passed. And they're also going to have two special um, evenings dedicated to Bill Russell. Opening night will be dedicated to Bill Russell. And then next year on his what would have been, I believe, it, they said it had been his 89th birthday. They're going to have a special day for Bill Russell. So shout out to the Celtics, you know, honoring one of the all-time greats and doing the right thing. And, you know, for all that he's done for the for the league and for, for that franchise, that's the least that they can do, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm still hoping that the league follows through on Magic Johnson's suggestion and retire his number six across the NBA for all he's done for basketball. That would be awesome if they did. And, and, and I think it'll happen because, again, you look at what he's actually brought to to the to the league and, and the amount of time that he spent in the league. I mean, that's again, that's the least that they can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we haven't talked much Major League Baseball for you fans out there. But uh, the baseball season's got approximately 15, 16 games left um, in the regular season. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. That would have been nice to do where the man's alive and he can actually see it. But you know how that works. Um, right now, the L.A. Dodgers and the Houston Astros have clinched their divisions. And the New York Mets have clinched a playoff spot. Um they are battling with the Braves to see who's going to win that division, but they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. The Yankees, who look like they were going to run away with their division for a long time, still probably will win their division, but uh, they, they still got the work to do to clinch that. Hopefully they get that done this weekend. But talking about the Yankees, man, what do you think about that monster season that that man Aaron Judge is having? Hey, it's, it's, it's his time. That's all you got to say. It's, it's his time. Yeah, it's People told him he was crazy when he turned down $250 million from the Yankees. 
a 10-year deal for 250 to $300 million. He's like, yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> now this man has already hit 59 home runs, leads the majors. Not only does he lead the majors, he's got 20 more home runs than anybody else in baseball. So mm. it's a huge gap. And the next closest is the Phillies, Cal Schwarber with 39. He also leads the majors in RBI. So he's not just hitting solo home runs. He's hitting home runs with people on the base. He's got 127 uh, runs batted in, nine more than the Mets' uh, Pete Alonso. So he's doing his thing. And right now, he's tied for second in the Maryland League in batting average. So he's hitting for power and average, currently with a 316 batting average, trailing the Twins, Luis Areas, 317. So all Areas has to do is have a little slump and a judge keep doing what he's doing, he could end up winning the AL Triple Crown plus lead the majors in home runs and RBIs. Pretty impressive. Now he's talking about, uh, I need more than Mike Trout money. <laughs> well, I mean, if he can continue, I mean, one season is not going to make a, I mean, it's going to make a difference, but he has to do it on a continuous basis if he wants to see a, a, a pay increase. I mean, one time, hey, come on, man. Really? No, I understand, but he's been doing this for not not this for years, but he's been putting up big numbers. He's been an all star and all that, and now he's going to be the prop, definitely the league MVP, possibly triple crown winner, and his contract is coming up, so they got to pay him. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. So, do you think with the stats that he's putting up, he's definitely looking at uh, being in the Hall of Fame one day? He doesn't have Hall of Fame numbers yet. Now See, that he's got to put together year after year, mm -hmm. but, but he's got big, big pocket money deal. I mean, he was already making, I think, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen million this year because he was. You know how baseball they got that funny pay system for the first six years they control you and keep keep your salary kind of dormant until they have to pay you. Mm -hmm. So the last couple of years, he's had to go through arbitration, and each year he's gotten a little more money. But now he's looking for that long-term deal. On another sad note, we lost another great in the tennis world. Roger Federer announced last week that he's retiring. Um, he's scheduled to play this weekend in his last competitive tournament at the Labor Cup, which is held in London. But uh, I was reading today his uh, top trainer saying that it's going to be uh, literally a game time decision if he's even going to be able to play that because of all the wear and tear and the surgeries he's had on his body. They're just not sure. But, I mean, we lose Serena and now Roger, arguably the two greatest to ever play, men's and women's, within eight days of each other. Um, but tennis is in a good spot. They got all those young players coming up. So yeah, it's I was just sad you got to realize, I mean, look at how many years he's been playing. So, and, and at least he's smart enough to know that, you know, his body is breaking down. He can't play like at the performance level that he's used to. And so he's letting it go. So you can't be mad at that. Oh, absolutely. And Roger has made so much money. It, it's incredible. He's got a, a lifetime uh, clothing deal with Uniqlo. He started his own um, management company. So he manages other tennis players and other people um, in entertainment. So 
he's more than fine. <laughs> more than fine. Um, <laughs> last thing on the quick hits, man. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, part did three. You, did you watch the fight? Let yeah, me just ask you that before you even go into it. Did you watch the fight? If you want to call it a fight. Right. I was getting I ready to say, it. yeah, because and Triple G was just, he was just in the ring. That's all I got to say. Right. Canelo maintained his stamina throughout the whole game. He controlled the fight. I mean, can, at, at best, I would give Triple G maybe two rounds. And, and that's just squeaking by Canelo. So um, the decision, even, I mean, to me, was the right decision that they made. Yeah, I don't think it should have been that close, though. I mean, one uh, of the cards had Canelo just winning by one round, mm-hmm. and the other one's like two or three. Like you said, I, I understand why Triple G did this. It was his last big money grab. And based on the records I've seen, this is the largest payday of his career. Mm -hmm. So this was a no-brainer from that effect. Um, But he literally just showed up to not get knocked out Mm -hmm. and not get hurt and get through this fight. Mm -hmm. It it, it was obvious. But when you've got guarantees that they had, Canelo was guaranteed $45 million for the fight. Triple G was guaranteed $20 million for the fight. Then they got a cut of the pay-per-view. Uh, estimates are that Canelo's going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of $65 million when it's all said and done, and Triple G's going to make $43 million. So it's like... Not a bad night. He's 40 years old, go, guaranteed $20 million, going to make up to $40, $43 million, and then he'll have one more fight at his weight class, which is actually 160. He went up to Canelo's division of 168 for this fight, lose his titles, and then go away. <laughs> true, <funny> story. <laughs> true story. True story. That's funny. <laughs> that is a true story. But, yeah, um, so it, it it was interesting. But that's the one problem that boxing has. The fights that people want to see and the band to see. Take too long take years and years for them to put together. I mean, we're mm-hmm. still waiting. Everybody keeps saying Crawford and Spence happening in November. Crawford and Spence happening in November. Contracts ain't signed. Mm-hmm. It's in September. Right. How you going to put on a boxing match in November when your contracts aren't signed unless the fighters are already in training camp just waiting for everything to work out? So, again, I believe it when I see it. But that's a fight that's at least two years past when it should have happened, probably realistically three years. So. Well, I mean, again, it, it probably would have happened sooner had uh, Spence had Spence not got into that car accident. So that pushed it back. But then again, I think he was still running back then. So, And I think yeah. he's still running right now. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, for you fight fans uh, – it's not much going on on the M- MMA circuit this weekend. But it, for you boxing fans out here, it's a special date. So please pay attention. This Friday, September 23rd, not Saturday, this Friday, uh, ESP, ESPN's pound for pound top 10 rated WBC and WBO champion Shakur Stevenson goes back home to good old Newark, New Jersey to defend North. his titles against Robinson 
Conseco. So uh, Shakur is, you know, trying to bring some revenue to his hometown. He can fight anywhere in the world and make big money, but he wanted to make sure that he did this for Newark. So um, if you haven't seen Stevenson fight, uh, in my estimation, he's probably one of the top five fighters in the world right now. And he is a treat to watch because he started adding power to his boxing game. And he's still a young dude. I think mm-hmm. uh, Shakur now is maybe 25, 26 years. He didn't even start reaching his prime. But uh, he started punishing people once he went up to junior lightweight in 130. So it's scary. So check that out if you don't have anything going on Friday evening or DVR so you can check it out Saturday through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these WNBA finals, man. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, the Las Vegas Aces versus the Connecticut Sun. I mean, three, two of these games were, you know, nailed by this game one, which we talked about last week, mm-hmm. and the final game this week, which we talk about game four. But I got to give shout out to the Connecticut Sun, considering they've been knocking on that door year after year after year trying to, you know, finally win a championship. Um, they did. They did everything they could. They just weren't quite good enough. That the Aces in Game Two, after barely beating Game One, and I told you it was a uh, going to be a series of who gets to control the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, Las Vegas Aces came out in Game Two and they controlled the pace real early. They jumped out to the twenty-three fifteen lead and basically controlled the game from there, winning 85-71. So they did their thing. Again, the MVP, Asia Wilson, uh, was one of three players to drop 20 points or more. Uh, uh, Chelsea Gray dropped 21. Kelsey Plum had 20, and Asia Wilson had 26 and 10 in game two. But though game one and game two was in Las Vegas, they were to connect for game three. And you talking about getting punched in the mouth, J3? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, man, they was going backwards and forwards. I was like, wow, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, uh, Connecticut finally got home because their previous series against Chicago, they packed for Chicago for uh, the game five there, and then they packed the extra clothes. So they never went back home. They went straight from Chicago to Las Vegas. So they have been away from home for almost 10 days. So they got back to Connecticut. And they were not going to get swept. They came out swinging. They used their grit and tenacity, and they jumped on the aces. And I think the aces weren't prepared for that kind of aggression in a basketball game, uh, especially after winning the first two. You know, it's natural for you to uh, ease up a little bit because you figure, oh, well, you just got to win one of these last three games to win the title. The Sun had their best game ever. They scored 34 points in the first quarter to take a 15-point lead. The Aces never got close to the six points in a game. And then in the fourth quarter, they ended the game with a 28-7 run. So, I mean, Mm. they just jumped all on uh, the Aces. And we got a shout-out to uh, former Maryland Terp, Alyssa Thomas, Mm -hmm. uh, all-WNBA player for the Connecticut Sun. She was the first person ever 
to drop a triple-double in the WNBA Finals in Game 3. She finished with 16 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block. And she, by far, is the engine of the Connecticut Sun. She sets the tone, gritty, hard-nosed player. And she is playing with two torn labrums, one in each shoulder. She doesn't want to get surgery because she gets surgery, has to miss a year. So she's been dealing with this for multiple years and still putting in work. So uh, it, it was an excellent feat to see. But then we got Sunday game four. The only thing I was upset, upset about this was it was on NFL Sunday. So they mm -hmm. didn't get the shine that they needed. But this game was back and forth the whole game, J3. Um, the Aces came out and set the tone that they weren't going to let the Connecticut Sun push them around. So these young ladies were battling. They was hitting each other. A lot of uh, fouls being called. I mean, they were scrapping. Yeah, this they is your scrapping. type of basketball game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> they were scrapping. And, I mean, the Aces took a four-point lead, 16-12, at the end of the first quarter, and it stayed that way throughout the whole game. Nobody got ahead more than seven. And late in the fourth quarter, the Sun actually took a one-point lead before Chelsea Gray and bench player Rakina Williams took over and hit some big dagger shots mm. to give Las Vegas Aces their first WNBA championship. But, I mean, it was an excellent game. And for everybody who says, you know, women's basketball isn't fun to watch, this series epitomized because you had the yin and the yang, the defensive-minded, uh, grind it out. Mm -hmm. We're going to make the game a little gritty. As some people say, muck it up a little bit to slow it down because we can't score with you, but we're going to make you work every phase of this game to beat us versus the more refined offensive team of the Las Vegas Aces. And, I mean, it, it was just great to see. But this proved something to me that I always believed. Coaching matters in professional sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Las Vegas Aces lost arguably one of their best two players um, last postseason when their center decided she was going to sign with the um, L.A. Sparks. Mm -hmm. They bring in a brand-new rookie head coach who looked around at the players and said, the way you're playing is not conducive to the people you have on the team. Mm -hmm. Kelsey Plum, who was a number one overall pick about five years ago out of Washington, when she came out of college, she was the leading scorer in NCAA women's history. And Bill Lambert was trying to make her a point guard. Mm -hmm. She's a scorer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but because of her size, Lambert said, no, she, you got to be a point guard. So she was thought of being a bust. Becky Hammonds gets here, takes the reins off her and say, no, we've got a point guard. We don't want you to run a point. We want you to be you, be a scorer. Mm -hmm. And she becomes an all-WNBA player, ended up uh, third or fourth in the MVP vote this year, had a best season as a player. Nice. Also on that team, uh, you had 
the WNBA most improved player, Jackie Young, another former number one overall pick who was also seen as a bust mm -hmm. because for somehow couldn't fit in with Bill Lambert's system and all that. Again, Becky Hammonds, rookie head coach. She had assistant coach experience, but never head coach came in and opened up their offense to play to the strengths of her talent. And she put together the second most efficient and highest scoring offense in WNBA history. Nice. Nice. I mean, last thing I want to give y'all on the aces, just listen to what they did this year. Cause this year was historic in the WNBA. They went one, almost every possible either award or uh, trophy that was available except for a couple. During the season, the, uh, the WNBA had a mid-season tournament where they picked out certain games that each team would play, and then whoever had the most points at the end of playing all those games, the first and second seed uh, would play each other for this in-season tournament, which is going to be coming to the NBA very soon, so you might as well get used to it. Mm -hmm. They won the mid-season tournament. The All-Star Game, uh, Asia Wilson was one of the captains. They do like the NBA where the two captains pick the team. So Team Wilson, who was coached by Becky Hammonds, who Asia Wilson actually traded for in the draft. At the end of the draft, she said, we got one more trade. I want my coach, and you can have your coach. So they switched up coaches. They won the All-Star Game. Uh, Kelsey Plum of the Aces won the All-Star MVP. They had the best record in the WNBA, number one seed. Most improved player, Jackie Young. Coach of the year, Becky Hammond. Defensive player of the year, MVP, Asia Wilson. Oh. Uh, first team all WN WNBA, Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, and won the championship. Wow. Talk about in, phenomenal year. In the first year of a rookie head coach. In that song. So. For all the people out there that's always saying these players are bust or bums and don't, coaching matters. And if you get into the wrong organization with the wrong coach, it shows. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in the NFL as well. Mm -hmm. And again, the women get the short end of the stick. Five of the players that played in the WNBA championship game, which ended Sunday, literally had to get on a plane. Monday, fly 20-something hours to go to Australia to get ready to play in the uh, women's uh, FIBA 22 Women's World Cup game for USA Basketball. And why is that? Because of the money. No, they're not getting paid for this, but this is like um, every four years they have the World Cup, which used to be the um, World Championships. So it, it, it's a, a, a prestige thing, uh, second only to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But because of scheduling and everything, they always got to not be able to enjoy their championship and got to fly somewhere else to get ready to play a game. They actually start the World Cup tomorrow, <laughs> oh, wow. tomorrow morning. So literally that three players on the Aces, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, didn't even get a real chance to celebrate with their teammates except for Sunday night. 
because they was getting on a plane Monday. Mm-hmm. And the son solicited Thomas and Brianna Jones also. So it's it's things that I guess this past year, but that was due to the uh, Olympics being pushed back a year when some of the uh, Milwaukee uh, Bucks players had to get on a plane and go over to play in the Olympics. But, I mean, the women get the short end of the stick. I remember in 2019 when the Washington Mystics won the WNBA championship here mm-hmm. and half of the team left mm-hmm. the next day to mm-hmm. join their European teams so they mm-hmm. couldn't even have a parade. So it's, right. it's just it's just a shame. All right, I'm get off my soapbox again. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, they did their thing, and uh, you got to say a shout out to to their owner, who hired Becky Hammonds, made her the most uh, highest paid coach in WNBA. Not only did she do that, he did that. Then he hired two other women. He actually has he has a president of basketball who happens to be a black woman, and a GM. If you know anything about the WNBA, most of the teams, the coaches, the coach and the GM, it runs everything. So he's mm-hmm. actually put money, investing into his team, and now he's made a statement of what the elite, elite organizations of the WNBA are. So, again, shout out to the Las Vegas Aces. Let's talk about college football. Mm-hmm. Yo, J3. Mm-hmm. You know I roll tired hard, but yeah, I gotta call it like I see it. <laughs> Number one, Georgia scared. Man, they playing they bust off. I mean, the beatdowns they're giving to power five teams. Yeah, we're not talking about we're not talking about little teams that they're playing a million dollars plus to come take an L. These are power five teams. Georgia beat uh, SEC South Carolina 48 to 7. And South Carolina scored that last touchdown late in the fourth quarter when Georgia's second and third stringers was in because until they scored that touchdown, their defense hadn't given up a touchdown in three games. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this is after nine players were drafted to the NFL off of the defense last season. The Bulldogs are real, bro. You know that. You you already know. You knew that before the season started. The I knew they were real. real. I didn't think their defense would be able to bounce back the way it's bounced back. I mean, they arguably had the best defense in the college football, if not definitely one of the top five. But what's scary more is now their offense has become high-powered. You know, uh, Stetson Bennett, the mm-hmm. quarterback that they tried to – not play for multiple seasons. And even during last year when he kept winning, they was always asked about when the other quarterback was going to be healthy enough to come back and play because he wasn't supposed to be the starter at the beginning of the year. He's now become a Heisman candidate. And with his confidence for winning the national championship, they got more aggressive on offense. So now they can score 40 to 50 with that defense. It pains me to say it. And my daughter's gonna be mad at me. So is Ed's daughter. But I got I think Georgia has a very good chance of winning back-to-back national championships, barring any major injuries. Mm. 
I just got called it like I said. It's a nice bias uh, decision. Now, talking about number two, Alabama. Um, they did what they're supposed to do last week. They had a, a team that they bought in, paid almost two million dollars to, you know, Blow come out. take an L. <laughs> Blow out. <laughs> Help them fill the stadium of a hundred thousand plus. Uh, but Alabama's got some, still got major work to do on offense. Uh, first, they got to their new receiving core has got to get in sync with Bryce Young. Because for the second game in a row, <laughs> I'll answer that for you, Chris. Um, for the second week in a row, uh, Bryce Young threw an interception, and it wasn't his fault. The receiver ran through zone coverage, and not to get too technical, when a wide receiver is running a, running a route, and it's a crossing route. If it's man-to-man, -man, you're supposed to keep running all the way through and never stop, and the quarterback will try to hit you. When you're playing against zone, you got to recognize zone, so you get to a zone and you stop. Mm -hmm. So Bryce Young throwing it to a spot because he sees his zone, and the wide receiver keeps running. And it looks like, oh, Bryce threw it behind him. No, the receiver ran the wrong route, but it, it is interesting. When you talk about rankings, um, programs like App State, which is part of the Sun Belt Conference, which used to be, which is made up of mostly pr primarily FCS teams. So these are teams that have recently come up to the FBS level, joined the Sun Belt Conference. They're not going to get the respect in the top 25 ranking just because. A, the big boys are going to get the clout. B, they don't want to give them too much shine because if they end up going undefeated and they a lower level non-Power 5 school, they don't want to mess up and knock out a Power 5 team possibly being in the college playoffs. Uh, remember what happened when you had um, uh, University of Central Florida who went undefeated and declared themselves the national championship because at the end of the season, they were the only undefeated team. But they hadn't played anybody. <laughs> yeah, App State beat Texas A&M, but the rest of their schedule is, you know, weak. Yep. Matter of fact, they almost lost this past Saturday and had to have a, a Hail Mary at the end of the game touchdown to win the game. So that's what that is. Yeah, Texas A&M has a good chance they won't be in the top 25 after this weekend when we get to some of the upcoming games to look at. Um, between number three and number nine, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, they all had lower-level competition, just like Alabama did what they're supposed to do, ran up big numbers, looked good. Number 10, Arkansas had to fight tooth and nail and come back with a 21-3 fourth quarter to beat Missouri State. Another team like Appalachian State, which shouldn't happen at Arkansas, uh, but they pulled it out and ended up winning that game. But uh, that did not bode well for them to be struggling with the Missouri State at home. Mm -hmm. The two games that really interest me over this weekend, partner, were games that most people probably didn't look at. Who's that? Washington taking on number 11 Michigan State. Michigan State last year 
had one of their best years in a long time, and everybody assumed that they were just going to continue that kind of momentum. And Washington's been one of the laughing uh, points of the Pac-12 for a while. Um, But they put it on Michigan State, beating them 39-28 behind Mm -hmm. um, transfer quarterback Michael Penix Jr., who played at Indiana, which is a Big Ten school. So Mm -hmm. he was very familiar with Michigan State. He dropped 397 yards on them, four TDs, zero interceptions on 24 for 40 passing. Damn. Washington. So uh, Michigan State was not happy about that. That's going to hurt for sure. And then you remember what Georgia did to Oregon in week one. It wasn't Mm -hmm. pretty. They made Oregon look like they was an FCS school. Mm -hmm. Well, number 25, Oregon bounced back. And they beat number 12 BYU 41-20. So that shows mm-hmm. you how good Georgia is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Oregon can dominate BYU, which everybody thought had an outside chance of possibly sneaking into the college football playoffs, but with this loss, because they're independent, kind of like Notre Dame, once you're independent, you don't have a conference championship, you've pretty much got to go undefeated if you want to get into the college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they are out. Speaking of Notre Dame, shout out. They got a win. I got Marcus Freeman his first W because I, I was worried about the brother. I don't know about Ooh. you. Yeah, and so was Professor J. <laughs> yeah, I was worried about it. They went 0-3. Well, I don't know what might have happened there. Texas A&M, as Chris pointed out, Lost to Appalachian State at home after paying them $1.5 million to come play them, <laughs> which was funny. But then they bounced back and beat number 13 Miami at the ACC, 17-9. Wasn't a pretty game, but they got the W. So that's Texas A&M got some of the SEC bias, and that's real. I mean, when you win half of the national championships out of the last 24 years, you're going to get some bias in there. So – uh, but they prove that they're as good as most of the other Power Five conference teams. They just let App Snake come in and punch them in the mouth at home because they didn't take him seriously. So yeah, because they they do have Alabama's number. Let's be real about it. Yeah, we, we, we will see in approximately three weeks if they still got that number because no. Alabama ain't forget about last year and they got come into Tuscaloosa with mm-hmm. that number one rated. Uh, class and see what they can do in, in, with 103,000 of their non-fans screaming and yelling at them. So I'm, I'm waiting to see that. Some notable games this weekend. Uh, you got University of Maryland. Undefeated University of Maryland. Shout out to Mike Loxley doing this thing quietly. But they got a big Big, big test. They go to the big house and take on number four, Michigan. And that's going to be at noon uh, this Saturday on Fox. So if you want to check out Maryland, check out Tua's younger brother, Talia, who's the starting quarterback for the Terps. Um, that should be interesting because Maryland can score. And Maryland got some wide receivers and running backs. I'm just not sure if they have the physicalness in the offensive line to compete with Michigan for four quarters. Number five, Clemson. This is Wake Forest. Mm. This is going to be the first test, real test for Clemson this year to see if they are for real in the ACC 
or if they still got their problems that they was dealing with last year. Number 20, Florida visits number 11, Tennessee. That is a classic SEC battle. Um, whoever wins that really sets themselves up uh, to try to win the SEC East or at least compete with Georgia for the SEC East crown. You got number 22, Texas, visiting Texas Tech. That is going to be an interesting one uh, because Texas, everybody's giving them props for, you know, just barely losing Alabama. Uh, can they continue to win and save Sharks' job? Because the people out of Texas don't like losing. Mm -mm. You got Oregon going to undefeated Washington State. So mm -hmm. can Oregon continue their winning ways and show that that Georgia loss was going to be their only blip this year? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, number 10, Arkansas visits number 23, Texas A&M. If Arkansas beats Texas A&M, then Jimbo Fish has got a problem. Because <laughs> then he's going to have two early losses in the season after last year's down year. Even though they beat Alabama, they lost games they shouldn't have lost. If they lose to Arkansas, Knowing they got to come to Tuscaloosa soon, that's mm -hmm. going to be a real problem. <laughs> real problem. And then some other ones, Wisconsin visits Ohio State. I don't think Wisconsin's that good this year, but it's a Big Ten battle, so you never know. Uh, Kansas State uh, goes to Oklahoma. That's going to be Oklahoma's real first test with the new coaching staff. And then number seven, USC. They get their first test against undefeated Oregon State. Uh, I know I said it uh, a, a week ago that, you know, their first test would be against Stanford, but I think Oregon State will give them a test. USC might make the college football playoffs because I don't see anybody in the Pac-12 that can, you know, slow them down, partner. What are your mm. thoughts? It's going to be interesting to see, bro. We still got quite a few more games to go, so we'll see what happens. So uh, tell me what you did this Saturday, you and Professor Jay and Sense. What y'all get into? Man, we took a road trip up to New York to see the HBCU uh, New York Classics, Howard University against Morehouse University. And it was a blowout. <laughs> Howard beat them 31 to 0. It wasn't <laughs> even close. At halftime, it was 0 0. That's how strong they were. And then come out second half, Howard decided they were going to start throwing the ball, and they just started lighting up the field. It was a Yeah. And talking about HBCUs, yeah, we got to continue to shout out Coach Prime and Jackson State. Absolutely. They 3-0 right now. They rolling. Yeah, they just – they beat the snot out of Grambling State. <laughs> they rolling. They, 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 they was a little off. Uh, the week when the water got shut off, even though they still dealing with it. So they, when they went down to Miami, they was a little off. They still won that game, was a little tougher than it's supposed to be. But they back to what they're doing. It, I mean, did you see what the score was on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat yeah. Jackson State. I mean, Grambling State, sixty-six to twenty-four. Yeah. Good yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. They they doing some big things that. Uh, 
Shakur, uh, no, Shader, I believe this is his first name. Mm -hmm. uh, Prime's uh, youngest son, who's the quarterback, mm -hmm. putting up monster numbers on offense. And he's got a, his oldest son, um, who's injured this year. He'll be back next year. I mean, they're doing some great things. So shout out to Prime. I, I just hope he doesn't uh, take the money and run because I think he's going to get some looks this offseason. Uh, two years ago, nobody would talk to him now after seeing what he's doing and his recruiting and how his team's playing for him. I think he might get some power five teams to take a look at him. So hope he stays there at Jackson State and just brings more money so they can pay him more. I will say this, uh, his quarterback, his youngest son, has definitely matured on the field. I know last year when we watched him, you know, he was quick to run. He was quick. I mean, he he wouldn't look at uh, his uh, his routes, receivers. They weren't open. He wouldn't throw the ball. But now he's looking left, looking right, and then throwing passes to any and all of his receivers. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely going to be an NFL prospect after next season for sure all right let's get into this nfl and man i feel real bad for trey lance I mean, second year uh san francisco 49ers qb that was terrible finally getting the opportunity where they said trey is your team uh they tried to trade jimmy garoppolo but couldn't trade him so they ended up bringing him up but said no you're the backup it's trey's team and it seemed like an innocent little run it was mm -hmm. a call qb run he mm -hmm. tried to make a move and when the guy tackled him his ankle got caught up underneath him and it was, it was crazy one of his own players tried to pick him up and he tried to get up and stand on it and had to go right back down because his foot was going the other way mm -hmm. similar to what happened to Dak prescott but not the same um they ended up saying that uh trey Broke the bone right above his ankle and tore ligaments in the ankle. So he had season-ending surgery on Monday. Um, so it, it, it it's just a shame that he didn't get the chance to do and progress. Because now, next year, he's going to have to learn again. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be three years where he would have played in a total of five games. Because his mm. last year in college, because of COVID, his team played that one exhibition game just so they could showcase him, but their season was canceled. He only played in two games last year and played in a game this year and a, and a quarter. So it's just, it, it, it's terrible. I feel bad. What's up, Jay Wills? Feel bad. What's going on, man? Gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, but your boy Jimmy, Jimmy G, he, he loved this. <laughs> because he had to take that pay cut and drop it down from uh, supposed to make around $24 million to six and a half. But now he gets a $250,000 bonus for every game he takes at least 25% of the stats. He's the starter. So unless he gets hurt, he's going to get that. And if his team gets a win like they did on, set, on Sunday, he gets a $100,000 bonus. So he can make $350,000 for every game he plays and he gets a win. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And can make another two point five million in bonuses if he gets the team to the offseason. I mean to the postseason, and if they make it all the way to the Super Bowl. 
So. It just goes to show if you're a team player, man, things are going to work out for you. And that's exactly what's happening for Triple G right now. I mean, Jimmy G. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jay Wills, I know you've been busy handling family things and everything. Uh, what in the sports world has been attracting your attention, brother? Carson Wentz. Carson oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Hawking> Wentz. <laughs> Even in losing efforts, I just haven't been able to see consistently thrown touchdowns from the quarterback position for the Washington, the old Washington team, uh, the the beginning of the commander squad. So this this is refreshing to see. We literally haven't had this type of play uh, since 2015 when Kirk was at the helm. So it's seven years overdue. I appreciate the man for coming on through. Our defense needs to be aware that the season has started. It started. We're not in preseason anymore. I'm not sure if they're aware that every down and every play counts right now. It, it doesn't seem like it, you know. But it, it, it's nice to see some type of movement. And it shows you just um, how powerful uh, the commander's weapons could possibly be and what time we could, what type of team we could have if we would actually uh, do some things on the defensive end. So, if you ask me, for a guy who's been uh, tucked away in the family bundle, uh, I, I don't get out much. Uh, oxygen where I am is not that good. So um, <laughs> <laughs> just being able to breathe freely is a, is a blessing. So, yes, yes, I am excited about my personal Washington commanders. I hear you. But it, it, it's interesting you brought up that name, Kirk Cousins, because I think Carson Wentz is a lot of – a, a little more athletic, Kirk Cousins. Mm. And what I mean by that, he's going to throw some great passes. And now that he has weapons, this is probably the best weapons Carson Wentz has ever played with. I agree. Mm. I agree. But he's also going to give the team, the other team, some chances too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things where you got to, okay, Carson. Are we only going to throw one interception this week or are we going to throw two or three? But, I mean, considering where the commanders have been, their offense does look like it's moving forward. I just can't understand what's going on with the defense. Um, They should have fired the defense coordinator last year, but that's Mm -hmm. one of the coach's boys Mm -hmm. who he brought in. The defense is regressing. Mm-hmm. Right, which is a shame with all that talent they have. Right, so that might get the coach fired. Mm. Mm. Wouldn't be the first just, time. Just saying, just saying. Oh, Riverboat um, Ron. Yeah, I think Riverboat <laughs> Ron. The the way they're looking now, they can't stop a cold. Trash. Right. So that means they're going to have to outscore everybody, which means you're going to have to have Carson Wentz throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game, most games. And you don't that good, good for your team, right? right. That ain't a good look. <laughs> so you're going to end up 6 and 11, 7 and 10, trying to do that. So Sounds like my usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of the NFC East, man, we got to talk about what them Eagles are doing. Yeah, oh. Chris. Jalen Hurt went into the lab in the offseason. Not only did he put on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, he worked on pocket passing. And what he did last night to the Minnesota mm. Vikings 
mm. obliterating them boys from the pocket. Wow. They said they were going to sit back and zone and not let the big wide receiver beat them. Okay. I just apart. eat you up. <laughs> he picked them apart. So, um, and then Darius Slay. Uh-uh. Oh, man. Whoa. What he did to Justin Jefferson wasn't pretty. Whoa. That that was the closest thing that I've seen in a long time to somebody just totally locking down a receiver with, look, y'all ten, y'all play defense. I got him. <laughs> Had right, him in his right. pocket for real. I mean, Jefferson he had, had one catch whenever he was checking him, and that went for six yards. Other than that, he was shutting him down. He had Slay had two interceptions and dropped two more. What's going on with Kirk in primetime? Bright lights, everybody watching. You know what Kirk does. Right. You saw that when he was here in Washington. He's fine on a Sunday at 1 o'clock when they won eight games. He can put up big numbers. But when it's right. primetime, everybody watching him and he knows it, yeah, he can't perform. Um, somebody used to call it uh performance anxiety he's got performance anxiety in big games <laughs> he got pa that's for sure he got some pa yeah so <laughs> but yeah uh yeah Her- hearst looks great the eagles defense and offense are playing well together the offense sputtered a little bit in the second half but i think they just took their foot off the gas because that game was over by halftime but talking about a game being over by halftime what the Buffalo Bills have done in these first two games? Ooh, wait. Out. Just like I talked about Georgia early in college football, the Buffalo Bills are scary. They are. If you think game one, they went to the Rams when they were putting up their banner, smacked them in the mouth at home, beat them like they didn't belong on the field with them, and shut their high-powered offense, passing offense down, and they come back the following week and punch the Titans in the mouth and tell Derrick Henry, oh, no, we having that this year. You're not stiff-arming nobody. You're not getting <laughs> Derrick Henry at one point in that game had 12 rushes for 15 yards. Ooh. Tell me. Yeah. I know about it, too. But, but let me ask y'all this. <laughs> let me ask y'all this. Is this a surprise to you? Because before the season started, we said – the Eagles were going to be good on the East, and we said the Buffalo Bills were going to be good in their division as well. So who who's surprised right now? Good and dominant the way they playing. They just showed anybody. We can shut you down, shut your passing down, and shut your running game down, and you know we can outscore everybody or most oh, yeah. people. See, that was my thing. I knew they was going to have a good offense. The way their defense is playing since Von Miller's gotten there, is next level. Mm-hmm. So, a- as long as they keep Josh Allen healthy, upright, because he's still taking shots, he's not supposed to jumping over players, trying to get man. first downs. He'll need to do that. That's I mean, the aggression the man, in him, bro. That's the aggression in him. He he plays hard. You gotta give him that. That's the same thing they said about uh, Cam Newton. What is Cam Newton doing now at 32? Cam Newton's mouth got him in trouble. It wasn't his plan that got him in trouble. It was his, his mouth. His plan Come got on, him let's... in trouble, too. Come on, man. His plan was terrible, man. 
The last two years, his plan was awful because his body was breaking down from taking all them hits. Okay. We're not going to argue. In my opinion. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to argue. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, Josh <laughs> Allen dropped him 317 yards, four TDs, and Stephon Diggs. <laughs> I, I agree. They got to beat totally the Chiefs agree, in the Chris. playoffs. No doubt. That's fair. That's fair. What they're doing right now is scary. It's Facts. scary. Facts. Speaking of the Chiefs, the Chiefs got a little monkey off their back on Thursday night. I know it's way back against Thursday night, but they finally beat the Chargers at home because too. Justin Herbert yeah. had been coming into their stadium, beating them three straight times before this or two straight times before this win. So, yeah, it was a good game. It was back and forth. But uh, Justin Herbert's that dude. You got to give him props. He, he, he is that dude. Played through pain. He definitely yeah. did. That yeah, dope. but I, that's going to be a problem trying to play quarterback with broken ribs. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a real problem trying to play quarterback. But go ahead. How do y'all feel about that doctor situation they got going on out there where the individual, I guess, who's overseeing his rehab was the same individual that performed the surgery on Tyrod Taylor? How do y'all feel about the Rams still having that guy on staff? You mean the Chargers? Yeah, I, I, I was definitely. I would definitely be getting uh, a second, second opinion. Because <laughs> <laughs> you see Tyrod Taylor uh, filed a lawsuit this past week. He's suing the doctor for lost wages. Yeah. He's saying, because of your shot, I went from a starter to now I'm I'm just a journeyman backup. Hmm. And that's going to be, a, you cost me at least $5 million, if not more. So, yeah, that's 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 tough. Yeah, I wouldn't want that guy touching me. At all. When he, He's going to have to have his ribs shut up in order to play. And this is right. the same guy that deflated somebody's lung. Come on, now. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not when I got a chance to make 240 to $270 million in the next offseason. So. Right. What do y'all think about my man, too? You know, everybody wrote him off. Oh, too small. Goodness. So I had him on the bench. I started to start him for my fantasy. And I said, nah, let me go ahead and run with Kyler. But God dang on if Tua ain't light him up in the second half of the game. Good Lord. He went on. He he got an Olympic track team at wide receiver. He does. He does. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Jaden Waddle can just get it. So, so let me ask y'all this real quick, because I'm still kind of questioning questioning this. Why in the world would you not double Tyreek? I, I, I don't understand it. Please please help me understand this. You know he's one of the fastest receivers out in the league right now. Why wouldn't you double him? Because if you double him, you got Jaden Waddle, who they're lining up in the slot, moving on either side. That leaves him singled up on a safety. Did the Ravens stop either one of them? No. Exactly. That, that's what I'm trying to understand. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to understand. I guess I think the Ravens literally just, just let, let off the gas and thought that they was going to win the game because the Dolphins didn't stop. They just took it to them, and, and at the end, they just like, yeah, this is ours. The league is going to need some tape on them guys working together. Well, when you got a combination of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and they both burn us and the things that they could do, especially with 
the ability to move Jalen in the slot. If you in that zone, you start to have the defense kind of move with you, slide back and forth, exposing you because you have to have more than just one set of eyes on him as well. So for right now, you don't expect people to really, really shut these guys down to week six, week seven, after they get a couple of games on field. For right now, somebody's going off. They may not always both go off like they did because that was crazy. But somebody's mm-hmm. always going to go off for them. It's just too It's too much quick. It's too quick. And if you double-team both of them, that means the tight end's going to kill you. And the running back's going to kill you. Right. So, I mean, again, this shows coaching matters. It does. Everybody thought Tool was the problem until they found out that his head coach didn't want him and made it known that he didn't want him. Start pulling them back and forth in and out of games. Then the ownership kept trying to trade for other players. Why he's supposed to be their future? How are you supposed to get any confidence? He's got a coach that is showing him confidence, catering the game to him. They brought in players, and now all of a sudden, oh, Tua looks like he can play. No, Tua can play in college. He just got hurt. Mm -hmm. Right, right. He won the national championship as a freshman. Was mm-hmm. on his way to winning another one until he hurt his hip. But again, coaches ruin more players than they help. But the players take the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. But, what, what y'all think about that little ruckus down in down in in, in the NO down in Orleans? Brady and, started. Yeah, Brady started it absolutely. <laughs> Brady walked 15 yards down the line to go beef at a ref and then stopped and messed with the player. But yeah, your boy Vince, your boy Evans, he was frustrated because Lattimore was getting into him. So he saw an opportunity to take a cheap shot. He could have really hurt Lattimore. He could have, yeah. He could have. When you got somebody running full speed, hitting you in the back, you don't know they're coming and you can't brace yourself, you could really hurt your back and neck. And coming from somebody just had neck surgery, trust me, I understand. So, yeah, he he deserved that one game suspension. But yeah, Brady was cussing in the fussing, breaking, laughing, yep. uh, <laughs> frustrated. He was frustrated. Yeah, yep. so. he was frustrated. But then your boy Jameis went went and reverted back to Tampa Bay, Jameis, and threw them picks. Whose quarterback is that in fantasy football? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see for how much longer. (laughs) Yeah, we will see. Uh, It it hates for me to say it, but we got to shout out them boys. Uh, We got to give them their props. Oh, man, get out of here. They were without their starting quarterback. Without their starting guard, and quite honestly, Michael Parsons destroyed Cincinnati's offense. He did. He did. Yes, he, he did. did. When he yeah. wasn't getting the sack, he was destroying the pocket, making him move. Mm-hmm. And how in the hell are you, Cincinnati? You spent tens of millions of dollars supposedly fixing the offensive line, and they're worse this year than the offensive line that they had last year. So that mm-hmm. means it's offensive line coach, which means you need to get a new one. Absolutely. Because Joe Burroughs is getting killed. He is. Man. He's giving me vibes of um, 
sorry, the guy he slips my name started with the Indianapolis Colts, retired early. Luck, he's getting hit too much. It, it reminds me of him. Absolutely, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what it looks like right now. He's on pace to be sacked 120 times this season, <laughs> and that ain't even counting hits. Ouch. Actual sacks, right, right? Yeah, so they got to fix that real quick, or that's gonna be a problem. They got the man's knee tore up in his rookie season, right? And they're getting them beat up every year, so right. He's gonna start seeing ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so shout out to the Cowboys. Yeah, they just barely won, but they won. Nobody was expecting mm-hmm. them to win that game, so I got to give them their props. I gave props and props is due. And Kyler Murray running around at the end of the game against the Raiders. I mean, come on now. Kyler Murray may not study. <laughs> he may not be your cup of tea, but when he's healthy, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that can catch that little dude. And him running around for that two-point conversion and running around for that touchdown, I mean, the two-point conversion, they say he ran 74 yards for a two-point conversion, which started mm. at the two-and-a-half-yard line. Right. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so shout out. Yeah, before we get out of here, let's look at some intriguing games coming up this weekend or this week. Uh, Steelers at the Browns. This might be an elimination game real early in this season. Uh, Neither team is looking great right now, so that's going to be interesting. I got the Browns Uh, beating the Steelers, baby. uh Uh-oh. The next one, the birds coming down to Washington. Mm. And it doesn't look pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look pretty. Uh, not at all. We're I, not I, ready. I think the commanders, with that, the way that uh, offense is playing and that power of football, and then with the defense, yeah, that's big problems. But it's a division game, so you never know what happens. But that's I'm true. Not looking forward to that. Uh, the game of the week, I think, is going to be. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, Bills at the Dolphins. That's a good yeah, one. That's going to be a good game. That's a good one. I want to see what the Bills defense does against that high-powered offense. Um, if they shut them down, then we really going to be talking about is there anybody other than the Kansas City Chiefs that can deal with these dudes. Mm-mm. Exactly. Yeah. And then you got some others, Rams at Cardinals. Can the Rams bounce back? Packers at the Bucks will be interesting. The Bucks, mm. the Bucks uh looking a little shaky, but the Packers are real shaky. But they get to play the Bears and the Vikings. And I w- used to say the Detroit Lions, but now the Lions ain't too soft anymore. So you're gonna have to show up to beat the Lions this year. Mm. And then Monday night, uh the Cowboys at the Giants. The Giants quietly at two and no. Uh shout out to my sis. Uh, your, your, your Giants are playing a little better with their new head coach. Uh, let's see what they do with that Cowboys pack, pass rush and see if they can slow Michael Parsons down or is he going to wreck their game too. Hey, stakes on him. Hey, what time, bro? Win and win. Win and win, bro. Win and win. What we need to bring. <laughs> we can be at your house to watch the game with you. I ain't got nothing but time and opportunity on Sunday. Absolutely. 
All right, fellas. So that is our show for this week. Uh, Jay Wills, again, I appreciate you jumping on, giving us the time that you do have, my brother. Thank you. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything for your final post for the evening? I'm just excited to see everyone. I'm excited about the football season so far and just hoping it continues to deliver on, uh, especially in prime time, like it's done thus far. So I'm in, I'm just enjoying some, some thorough NFL football. Can't beat it at all. That's great. That's great. J3, what you got for us? Yeah, real quick. I just want everyone to keep, keep uh, doing what you're doing, uh, drinking water. Please drink plenty of water. And get up and, and exercise for at least 30 minutes a day. Get the blood flowing and, and keeping that heart pumping. That's all I got. Speaking of exercise, that is a, a great leeway into my final post. I just, again, want to invite and share with all of our listeners out there um, that post is going to be participating in the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Run and Walk. For those who don't run, which is me, <laughs> you you. Once a year, they shut down the Chesapeake Bay Bridge uh, right here in Maryland, and you can walk the bridge. It's a 10K run walk, a little over six miles, but you got 30 minutes a mile of walk, so it's a very easy pace. You want to come out and join Post. Uh, we have a team uh, posted again this week on, on our Facebook page, or if you want to hit us up, you get information, because we have a group, and if you join with our group, um, if we get enough people, we'll all get a discount. Uh, but the reason why I'm bringing that up is um, they're almost sold out. So if you want to join us, it's November 13th is the date of the walk, rain, rain or shine. Um, if it's raining too hard, they'll cancel it. But it's a charity event. So with your taxes, you can write it off as a charity donation. But it's going to be a fun time for all. We will be out there uh, right now. They've got two groups available. Um there were seven groups that you can walk in uh, right now. The last two groups uh, leave at 815 and 830. They still have spaces available. If you want to join us, please do it ASAP uh, because it's, it looks like they're going to sell out either sometime uh, early October, by the middle of October, this event will be totally sold out. So we look forward to having, again, our post information on our Facebook page and have uh, it added to our Twitter page and all that if you want to join us. So come join the post team, Chesapeake Bay Bridge Walk, November 13th. We'd love to have you and have fun with us and also provide to help keep up the Bay, the Chesapeake Bay in itself for charity. All right, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in and listening. We appreciate your time and opportunity to share our positions on sports with you. We're here each and every Tuesday at 7 p.m. for our live show. Um, if for some reason you can't catch the live show, we do upload our shows on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, Positions on Sports Talk Shows, easy to search. Um, we also post things to our Twitter account. Um, we, we're doing all new things. Um, if you want to hit us on Twitter or Facebook, it's at Positions on Sports and Twitter at Positions on SPO1. And we're even venturing into the TikTok world. So We've got a couple of posters already up, and we'll be putting more and more information out on TikTok. So please check us out on your favorite social media uh, platform, and please like and subscribe. Subscriptions free. We greatly appreciate your help. As always, thank you for your time. Have a safe week. Take care of each other. We'll see you next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Peace.
Peace. See ya.